0: There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. You don't have to be Hi folks, this is Jack Go with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man through the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is April 2nd, 2013. This is episode 1102 of the Survival Podcast. That means you got through yesterday without Jack pulling and April Fool's on you. Yeah, I've never done that to you. Maybe one year I will, but it's, it's not likely. I'm not big on stuff like that. Uh, but it is a new month, and it is a new quarter in the year. That means that the first Q, the first quarter of 2013 is up and gone it's over, it happened, and I hope you made the most of it. Uh, we had a pretty eventful one ourselves with a big move, and that's what we're going to talk about today, moving. This is a was going to be a half show uh, last week, and a half show turned into a whole show, so I turned this one into a whole show, and we're going to talk about... The Walking to Freedom Initiative today, and considerations with moving to a new state. And I gotta say, right up front, if you have no interest in going anywhere, you're like, I am staying right where we are, where I am. We might need you more than we need people that want to move. Um, the whole point is for people to choose a place that's best for them, and we need on the ground ambassadors that say, Hey, we've got a lot going on right where I'm at, and we want like minded people here. So this shows for everybody today. It will also help you. With any type of move in general, with considerations of whether you really want to make it or not, even within your own state. So I really recommend that everybody tune in today. And that's not just to uh, keep the ratings up because folks, we don't, we don't have a rating system here. I don't really look at it that way. <laughs> anyway, uh, but there are a bunch of you out there and I think this is a great subject for us all today. Before we get into it, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors. Sponsor of the day number one today, backyardfoodproduction.com. That's Marjorie Wildcraft down there south of Austin, Texas. And it uh, doesn't matter where you live if you want food sovereignty, food independence. And what you need to do is turn your backyard into a food production machine. That's what the DVDs say, Growing Your Gro- Groceries by Marjorie Wildcraft, will help you do no matter where you're at in this country and whether you have a big lot or a... Uh, A small acreage or a large acreage or a half acre or a quarter acre, doesn't matter. You can put most of the things in that DVD series to work for you. It's just one person showing you how they have actually done it, how they've actually made it happen, how they're producing a huge amount of the food that their family consumes every day right in their own backyard. Next up today, Fortress Defense Consultants. Frank Sharp Jr.'s cadre of instructors are among the best in the world. Uh, having weapons is a great idea, knowing how to use them effectively is a very important idea if you ever have uh, the horrific day that you do have to make that happen. You do have to get it done. So it behooves you to take good, quality, professional training. A lot of times people will say, what's the next gun I should get? And a lot of times I say, if you haven't had a firearms training course in the last five years, maybe instead of a new gun this year, you need another class. It's a great idea to take that type of professional training. Fortress Defense Consultants is one of the best places you can go to get that done. And if you can't get to uh, Indiana, which is where Frank conducts his school, uh, Frank will actually bring the training to you. If you can put together a small group of guys, get in touch with them. They'll even customize training for you. Wouldn't it be great if you put together a group of guys and did like a weekender at a a place that was like, you know, camping and all that, nearby range where you guys could go shoot and bond? How how cool would that be? And to bring in top quality instruction like Frank offers? Just saying, think outside the box with stuff like this and take advantage of what's available. Next up, I want to remind you guys about TSPgear.com. Check out our gear shop. We have some really cool stuff there. Check out the uh, the the, the coffee themed TSP shirts. it's a good fashion statement in addition to being a way to uh, to re- be recognized as a listener of the Survival Co- Podcast. And the ant is just awesome on that one. There's a lot of cool stuff there. Check it out today. TSPGear.com. All right. Um, I also want to remind you guys real quick here about the Member Support Brigade. You can become a member of my Support Brigade. You'll help support the work I'm doing by contributing about 18.3 cents an episode. So when you're done listening to a show, if you think that's worth two dimes, consider joining. That's one way to look at it. The other way to look at it is your return of investment. There's a bunch of vendors, about 40 of them now, that you get discounts from. If you're buying stuff in the self-sufficiency, self-reliance world uh, at all, Whether it's long-term food storage stuff, whether it's silver, it doesn't matter, gardening supplies, seeds, you name it. We've got discounts for you there, discounts that will fully pay for your cost of membership every year. Military, law enforcement, Peace Corps, and first responders like paramedics and EMTs, firefighters and the like. Um, You guys can save even more money because I give you a service discount to thank you for your service, and that's both for active duty and prior service. Email me at jack@thesurvivalpodcast.com at before, not after you join. Put service discount and nothing else in the subject line. That will help me make sure I don't miss it. And tell me who you are and what you're doing in a few sentences or who you are and what you did if your prior service. Don't be too in-depth. Just let me know kind of what your background is enough so that I know that you qualify for the discount, and I'll send you the discount code. Again, please do that before, not after you join. With that wrapped up, let's get into the main topic today, uh, thoughts and considerations with a move to a new state. Um, the Walking in the Freedom Forum has gotten off to a great start, and it's already starting. You can see the relationship starting to form. Uh, membership's nem- getting close to 700 people, uh, many of them people that are planning a move, many of them people that have already moved and are looking to help other people, and many of them, and this is where I think the vast majority of this audience is going to be, uh, living where they want to be right now but helping others. And that is actually really in its infancy right now. Because we're going through the voting process, and I'm not going to set up the boards for the individual states until the voting process is over, which establishes what we're calling the naughty list, the states that are the worst of the worst, the ones that are targeted specifically to recruit from. And everybody else, it's a jump ball. And we haven't decided how many people are going to be on the naughty list right now. We're bouncing mostly between a number of five and a number of 13. And if you have your own opinions about how we should be doing things there, all I can say is please come over and join the forum. And we have polls running on all of this stuff. Please vote and let your voice be heard. Because if you complain about it the day after the polls close and the decisions are made, your voice won't be heard until next year when we go through the process again. Because this will be an ongoing thing where we will vote every year because some states might actually pull their head out of their fourth point of contact and do better. And some may shove their head further up their fourth point of contact and do worse. The thing that's really important to understand, though, like I said in the beginning, is if you're like, you know, I live in Florida. I love Florida. I'm never leaving Florida. Florida's the best. And you're thinking, so this isn't for me. Actually, you're the exact person we need. We need you there so that when somebody says, I'm considering moving to Florida and I'm looking in the Fort Myers area, you can say, you know what? Come on down. I live near Fort Myers. I'll show you around. I'll introduce you to some people. And I'll tell you what it's like here. I'll tell you the good and the bad. I'll tell you how hot the summers really are and how how you deal with that down here. And I'll tell you, uh, if is it, is it as good as you think? Or also, do you think it's great? I think it's great. But you have misconceptions, and you might actually be happier somewhere else. This is about a matchmaking process. This is about people saying, I know one thing. I've had enough of what I'm dealing with. And there's 49 other places other than the one I'm in right now that I could choose to go be. And I want to look at all of those options and determine what's best for me and my family based on the criteria that are most important to me. This is not Jack saying, hey, Texas is the best, come to Texas. I'll tell you that I think we have a lot going for us here. I think in some areas we are among the very best options, and I will tell you that in some other areas we're maybe not among the best options. And then there's a personal quotient into this, Friends, family, community, churches, things like that. So I kind of wanted to go through with you guys, if I were making this decision, if I happened to have the the unfortunate life that I was still living in the state I was born in, which is New Jersey, and if by now New Jersey hadn't made me want to blow my brains out and successfully do it, and I was considering a move, what would I look at as as a person making this evaluation as to where I would most want to be. And the first thing I would realize is that statistics are a great place to start, but you can't go on statistics alone. Let's look at it this way. One of the top states to find a job right now in is Texas. It's number five, I think, in the country. And I think like number one yesterday we determined was like Kansas or Nebraska. Okay, that sounds great on the surface, But you have to say, well, what does that mean to me, though? In other words, what do you do? Now, if you are a person that works in aerospace, there's opportunities in Texas in aerospace. But in some other profession, there may not be as many opportunities in Texas. There may be more opportunities in a different state. There may be some opportunity in a state. You may even be able to land a job in a state, but maybe it's going to require in a particular state that you live in one or two cities, and maybe that's not really where you want to be, and another state has more options. So on that one statistic alone, we realize you have to get in with a scalpel and start dissecting the, the statistics and see what they mean to you. Someone who wants to play the devil's advocate in this yesterday that calls himself Mysterion, and I find that most people that are anonymous are usually annoying, um... I understand why some of you are. I, I really shouldn't have said that. But the people that want to always have, have the counter opinion and are anonymous are annoying. Uh, cause they're basically sniping from the distance and, 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 you know, they're putting up things like, well, uh, there's a highest rate of uninsured people are in Texas. Okay. Do you care? It, it, I mean, seriously, do you care? Is that important to you? The first thing you have to understand, that, that many people will just you know, not get through their thick-ass skulls uh, because they're people that believe that everybody should be equal. Some people don't give a damn. They don't want insurance. And if you live in a state that doesn't force it down your throat yet with Obamacare, yeah, they're going to have a higher rate because the people that want to make that choice still have the freedom to do so. Since the super-ass clown has made it mandatory that everybody have insurance by the end of 2014, shouldn't matter because everybody should be 100% fully insured by the end of 2014, so don't worry about it. There's another component, though. There's a very large uh, illegal immigration population in the border states, California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. And while it's actually quite easy many times for illegal immigrants to get onto Medicaid and Medicare, it's generally when the whole clan comes that that happens. The single individual male that's here by himself doesn't want any part of the system and generally doesn't get into the system. But we will still, in the bureaucrat's mind, count them as officially uninsured that should be insured, even though they're not even supposed to be here in the first place. So you're going to have a disproportionate level of things like that particular statistic in a border state, or you're going to look at a state like California and go, but look, they have a much better insured rate because they're better at insuring people that shouldn't be insured in the first place and spending the taxpayer's money doing so. That's what that means. That's what that actually means when you dissect that particular statistic. The other thing this guy said is, well, the South's great if you have money. I think it's better anywhere you're at if you have money. I think it's worse to have money in California than to have money in Texas because California wants more of it. So does New York. So that's, that's the, the statistical, you know, kind of train that leads in all these different directions. And I'll tell you right now that even if you pick them apart, if you sit down and you choose a new place to live based on statistics alone, you're probably not going to be happy at the other end of it. Um, that's that's something that you really have to, to, to just use as a starting point. And I look at the statistical analysis more as a disqualifier than a qualifier. What I mean by that is most people know this is why I'm unhappy. This is, this is the things that the state of New Jersey or New York or Illinois or California has done that make me unhappy, that make me feel that I don't have the maximum liberty that's possible for an American to have right now. And these are the areas where I feel most constrained. A lot of people right now, that want out of New York, it's directly related to the Second Amendment. So if you're looking at another state and they don't have very much firearm freedom, even if they have a lot of other boxes they tick, going there is probably not good for you. Now, if the main reason you're you're ticked off at New York is how hard it is to run your business there, and you can move to the South and run your business more effectively, then maybe the Second Amendment issue isn't as critical to you. Or maybe all you're looking for is more freedom with the Second Amendment and you don't necessarily have to go to the level of an Arizona where open carry is legal without a permit. Maybe that's what you want so Arizona is very attractive. Okay, So you got to dig deeper into that. The next thing, and this is the one that always comes up, is consideration with family and friends. So it's very possible for some people, let's say living in New York or New Jersey, to say, you know what, Pennsylvania isn't the complete bastion of freedom that I'm looking for. But it's better, and if we just go right on the other side of the border, those friends and family aren't that far away. Whereas if we move to, you know, even West Virginia from there, it's going to make seeing those people a lot more difficult. So one reason that I came up with Walking to Freedom was to serve that person who feels trapped. And when they hear something like, well, come to New Hampshire for the Free State Project, they're going, I'm in freaking California. My family's here. Do you know how far New Hampshire is from California? It's almost as far apart as two states can be in the continental United States. It's one hell of a plane ride full day, both to and fro. And it's going to make that interaction a lot more scarce and a lot more difficult and therefore be a lot harder on people. So the person in California may look at Nevada. They may even look at Oregon. I know Oregon is not the bastion of freedom either, but it's got significant advantages over California. So depending on what part of the state you're in, you're looking at different options that at least get you across the border and out of there. Uh, so that's something that has to be taken into consideration, and, and not doing so can put you in, in, in a pretty tough situation on the other side of it. Things you think you are okay with, you may not be. We found that out for ourselves with our move. Um, climate considerations are something else that you have to look at, and just more than, well, it's hot or it's cold or there's four seasons or it's mostly summer all the time, and there's other things to think about. And this is part of what I'm going to get to later when I talk about visiting, and one of the things that will come up do you have people in your family that have particularly problems with allergies um, because some places it might be a lot worse for you I know that here in Texas I have very little allergic allergic response to anything I just don't Um, in the spring, I might get a couple sneezing events, but it's like you know, you go outside, you sneeze, and it's over. It's like once or twice. It's something, and it's probably the juniper that everybody calls cedar that does that. But it doesn't. It's not chronic. It doesn't cause my nose to run. It doesn't cause me to be miserable. Whatever. I love Florida. I, as a kid, I spent a lot of time growing up in, in Florida, in the Jacksonville area. We love to go to the Sanibel Island every, uh, area, every summer that we can make it happen. But right in the middle of summer, when I go there, I mean, I get hit with allergies that I haven't experienced since, gee, I was, I don't know, 11 years old and running around Jacksonville. There's something in the Florida air. Now, it's not bad enough that it would prevent me from moving to Florida, but for some people, it's, it would be much worse. And so when you look at climate considerations, it's not just cold or dry, wet, you know, hot, seasonal. It's are there any things there that are going to be particularly harmful or irritating uh, to members of the family that would be there with me or myself. So that's a climatary consideration. And, you know, do you like snow? If you like snow, you don't want to go too far south. I mean, some people like snow. Um, I've pretty much had enough of the cold weather for the rest of my life. I have no interest in going north at all. Um, we get a few cold days here in you know January, February, even March this year. March was actually colder than February this year here on average. And when I go out and I've got the cold, that like damp cold where you go out and you know it's kind of sticking to you and almost feels like when you come back in, it's almost like the cold air is clinging to you. I'm like I don't need this crap. I don't want anything to do with this. But maybe you like it. Um, I look at this and I go, so basically I have a 12-month growing season down here where I can grow some things, and I have um, a, a nine-month growing season where I can grow anything. That's really important to me. Some of you guys, you don't even like my gardening shows. You could give a damn about that. All of these climatic considerations have to be taken into account, and things that you have to put into to this decision-making process isn't just, and this is true, again, for those of you that it's nothing to do with walking to freedom. You just want to move somewhere to have greater freedom, maybe just from a standpoint of a residential, moving to a, a, a rural area. Um, you got to look at not just what's important to you, but make sure you're not taking something into consideration you really don't care about. So make sure that the things that aren't important to you just kind of get shelved. But make sure they're not not—they're really not important before you shelve them, if you know what I'm saying. Um, the next thing, and I think this probably should have been my first thing. What you really need to ask yourself is what do you really want in life? What do you want? If, if I handed you a magic wand and say create the lifestyle of your dreams for yourself, what would you do with that magic wand? And what would it look like on the other end of it? And then ask yourself, even with where I'm at now, is there anything really impeding me from doing that? Am I in my own way or are things and circumstances in my way? And if it's things, circumstances, regulations, taxes, uh, oppression, then you really got to consider a move. If you realize when you ask yourself that question, it's more me than them, and many times it is. You pr- You kind of need to do some work at home and fix those things about yourself first, right? And I want you to look at this like when we talk about putting a solar system into a home, right, a solar and wind hybrid system to run alternative energy in the home. What's the first thing we do? We don't go out and figure out how much panel we can afford and how much battery backup and all that. No, the first thing we do is we look at the house and go, let's let's take the layups first. Let's fix the insulation issues. Let's put better windows in. Let's seal up the gaps. Um, let's make sure that we're running as efficient as possible. Once we do that, then we'll go ahead and bring in the energy production systems, which are a lot more expensive and will be a lot more effective because we've tightened up the efficiency first. So if you're thinking, you know, part of my thing is I want to run a business. I'll tell you that you can run a business anywhere in America today. So if you haven't even gotten, you know, into that pathway, it's not the state of New York that's preventing you from running a business. It's you. So you got to figure out what is it going to take to get you motivated enough to do it, and then you can say where's the best place to make it happen. And it's, you know, once you get there, it probably isn't the state of New York. That's, that's just probably not where I would want to build a business right now. But I will tell you this. I'd rather build, it's, it, this might sound crazy, but I'd rather build a business, especially in upstate New York, the rural parts of New York, than I would in any part of New Jersey. I think New Jersey is a much more oppressive uh, state for, from a business standpoint than New York, which is pretty daggone bad. I wouldn't want to be anywhere near New York City or the whole Eastern Gateway, New Jersey, New York Gateway area. I don't want anything to do with that either way for a variety of reasons. But, you know, when you look at it legitimately and you go, who's really worse when it comes to business? I say Jersey is, especially if you want to employ people. But both of them are bad. And that's another consideration there. See, this is where you've got to really say, what do you want in life? I want to run a business, okay? Do you want a sole proprietorship or a partnership with a spouse or do you want to have employees? Because that changes everything. If the answer is I want to build a business with employees in it, you do not want to be in a non-right-to-work state as an employer. You couldn't pay me to open a business with employees probably at all anymore. But if I was gonna, if I was going to be willing to do it, you could not get me into a unionized state and have a, an employee one. No way in hell. I would never do it outside of a right-to-work state. But if you have no plans to run a business, it's not really as important to you. You should still consider it because it says something about the potential long-term health of the state itself financially. But it's not anywhere near as important to you as somebody that says, I'm building a business right now. My plan over the next five years is to have 20 employees. If you're in New Jersey, get the hell out before you hire one. Honest to God, what a nightmare you're going to have with a 20 headcount business in, in in New Jersey, compared to Alabama or Texas or Florida or Nevada or frankly even Delaware. I mean Delaware I wouldn't go to either, but Jersey versus Delaware with with a headcount a 20 headcount business, ugh, just from a liability standpoint, at least Delaware's got something going in that direction. So those are just some thoughts there. Um, the next thing is, what are the freedoms that are most important to you? I think in this audience, the Second Amendment is going to be very, very high, maybe disproportionately high to many other people that are just fed up with California and New York and other states. Many, many people that are fed up with them are fed up with them for different reasons, financial reasons, uh, right-to-work reasons, and things like that. And um, my thinking, though, is <clears throat> when you show me a state, that starts stepping on the second amendment you 're showing me a state that doesn 't believe in the freedoms and the rights of its citizens that are inherent to them as individuals, and they will continue to conduct themselves in manners which will further erode individual liberties it 's not surprising to me that the city of New York, which is really what forced the new firearms legislation on the rest of the damn state that wanted most of them want nothing to do with it. But that high population was able to basically outvote the rest of the state. That that city is a city where you can't get a soda of more than 16 ounces at a restaurant anymore. It doesn't surprise me that those two things exist in the same place. And you might think they're unrelated, but they're not. Because it's a mentality of the people running the place that says you are not qualified to choose what, how you live for yourself. That's... That's the statement being made. Because do I think you should go get a 32 ounce big gulp with a, with a sausage dog every day, uh, for lunch? Do so I think that that's a good idea? No. Do I agree with the mayor of New York when he says it's incredibly, you know, bad for people to be drinking these large soft? Yes. Do I agree with him though when he says it's up to the state to tell you you can't do it? Absolutely not. And a state that will interfere with what size soda you can buy will interfere with anything In your life. And a state that will interfere with your constitutionally protected right to keep and bear arms will do the same. And the states that have the greatest preponderance of doing this tend to be the ones that step on the Second Amendment and they begin to step on other liberties. With, you know, some of the states that are the worst there are the most liberal when it comes to things like medical marijuana or even now recreational marijuana. Um... See, and there's one of those things, do I think marijuana should be legalized? In a nanosecond. It is the biggest waste of expenditures by law enforcement on planet earth to be messing with people over pot. And you can say, well, there's big time drug dealers that deal in pot and they ship bales around and there's all that money and that money fuels up. It wouldn't be the case if marijuana was legal. You, 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 you wouldn't be able to make any money that way. You would destroy the black market for it. And we can debate on drug prohibition until we're blue in the face and talk about harmful effects and everything. There's plenty of things that are harmful that aren't illegal, and I don't want to make them illegal either. And then when you look at something like marijuana, it's a plant. It's a plant. That's all that it is. It's not like... Opium poppy that you have to take and refine a certain way. Or coca leaf, which you have to refine into cocaine and process. It is a plant in its natural state. Therefore, it just shouldn't be regulated at all. That's how I feel. But since I don't smoke pot, I really don't give a shit personally. So it would have no effect on me whatsoever. That I think that that's a snowball's chance in hell that it will ever happen in Texas in the next 10 years. I think Texas is too closed-minded a place for that issue. But it doesn't really affect me, so I don't really care. If it ever gets a headwind here, I'll support it. But if it doesn't, I don't care. All right? So that's a perfect example of an issue where you disagree with a state, but you don't care. Other things like your ability to keep and bear arms are more important to you because there is no constitutionally protected right to smoke marijuana, but there is a constitutionally protected right to own a gun. That makes it in itself more important to me. Just saying. That's, and I, I think we're headed for a time when we're we're gonna see marijuana decriminalized pretty much everywhere eventually. I think that the mindset of of enough people eventually will change to do that. And when it happens, it happens. And until it does, I don't really care because it doesn't really affect me. That's kind of how you have to look at a lot of issues. Um, you also have to look at what kind of home you want. So people tell me, oh, there's a much better quality of life in liberal states like New York. Really, really? <laughs> it's it's a much better state. Texas is only good if you have money. Oh, really? Okay. So, um, what kind of house can you buy in, let's say, New York, anywhere even near uh, the, the New York City area, even way into the outskirts, Poughkeepsie and stuff like that, for like, oh, I don't know, 185 grand? What can you buy, you know? And a hundred eighty-five thousand dollars house, especially with mortgage payments the way they are right now, and all, and, and and taxes being low in the south, that's just not really a big issue, is it? You uh, I mean most people with any kind of a middle-class income could easily afford a house with a mortgage payment uh, based on a hundred eighty-five thousand dollars house, and it will buy you a piece of crap if that. In you know, Long Island or Staten Island or Poughkeepsie, if you can find anything, you come down here, take your pick. There's, there's, there's literally hundreds of neighborhoods with houses in that range right now. You might do okay in New York for what three hundred, three fifty. Do you know what you can get for three hundred to three hundred fifty thousand in Texas? Much in addition to what your property tax bill will be on a three hundred thousand dollar house in Texas versus a three hundred thousand dollar house near New York City. So, if important. It, among the important things to you are a really nice new home. If that's what you want, a really nice house, it's a big difference in, a, in what is housing in California, even with the market crashed. Versus Texas, Arizona, and Florida has some incredible real estate deals right now. Missouri has some really great stuff from well, from a housing standpoint in, in in certain areas. There's a lot. Of places that have a lot higher quality of home now, what if that 's not what you want? What if you want more of a rural setting you you got to look at that from a completely different standpoint what 's available where you 're considering and how far does your money go? What kind of home do you want, and what kind of freedom do you want with that home? I mean i don 't want to live in a place where every time I have to do I want to do anything. I have to call up the county and get a permit, or I have to call up the city and get a permit. Somebody has to come out and inspect it. I don't want to ask for permission to do things I think I should just be able to do. I don't want to live in a place where, yeah, you can have chickens, but you can only have four hens, and you have to file a plan and you have to pay for a permit. I don't want any of that crap, right? I want to go down and buy my chickens and put them out in my chicken tractor and watch them right now run around and play with each other while I'm talking on the microphone. They're they're out there right now looking at them. They're looking at me. If I yell chick, chick loud enough to go through the window, they'll all run. They've already learned that even though they're only about three and a half weeks old. Uh, That's what I want. But what you want may be totally different. So that's something that has to be considered. And you know what type of cost is associated with acquiring the home that you want is a huge consideration to me. I also think when we get into taxes that too many people go into the first point and start saying, well, they have a side of the income tax of this, and they have a tax of that, and then they tax this. And they look at the individual tax that they're most familiar with, and they they compare that. They say, well, actually, for all of that, well, there's a better tax right here where I'm at right now. But is there really? Because what you have to look at is your tax footprint. Based on your lifestyle, here's what I mean. So if you are a person that spends a lot of freaking money, you're a big spender, you spend money like water, you pretty much spend all of your income, and you spend it pretty much on things that will be taxed with a state income tax. Um, that would actually make the state of Texas a fairly high tax state for you because we have a sales tax rate that averages about 8% throughout the state. It's fairly high. If you are a saver then Texas is a great state for you because there's zero income tax. You see how that works. If you are a person that's going to have a really big house with a really high value, you're going to buy a half-million-dollar house, then the property tax rate is something you really need to look at. Even if the property tax rate is relatively high compared to some other place, If you're going to end up coming to this new place and buy a $150,000 house and in the old place you were going to have a $300,000 house, you would actually be paying more property taxes even if they was a little bit higher by percentage at the new place than you were at the old place simply because of the appraised value of the home. See how that – I mean that's – what is the consistency of increasing the value of real estate? In other words, does real estate go up dramatically in a market? That means that property tax bill is all going to be climbing. A real estate market that's relatively flat, and most affordable ones are, that's why they're affordable, don't have the same problem. So you don't have the continuous increase in the equity of your home. And some people are like, I want continuous increase in the equity of my home. Do you? Most people that want continuous increase in the equity of their home plan to sell it. If you're looking for a place to live for good, you're better off if it never goes up a penny. You'd be actually better off if it went down some. Now, I don't like depreciation in a home because it makes exiting more difficult. But assuming you go in with the right value on the property when you go in, you put in a reasonable down payment and you're going to be there at least five years, you should always have that option if you do your homework going in. Just more to consideration. I mean, you've really got to look at what's the total impact of taxation. If you're an employer, you need to look at the tax climate as an employer. If you are a, a just a an employee and you don't run a business, you need to look at the tax climate that way. And if you're an entrepreneur that runs a small concern, like something I do, you need to look at the tax implications completely differently. Is there a corporate tax rate? is there a tax on individual income is there you know what kind of sales taxes are what kind of property how will this affect my lifestyle because i've heard people say things like well i get paid better in new york okay it's not how much you earn it's how much you keep so if you have to pay state tax on it you have to pay twice as much for your housing of equivalency and probably more than that you have to pay twice as much on your um your your, your property taxes Right, You have to pay more for all of that. And your overall cost of living is higher. If you went south, got a 20% cut in pay, but a 50% reduction in living expenses, you just got a 30% raise. You have to do all the math, not just the individual math when you're making the financial consideration here. And you have to look at cost of living versus just taxes. So what is your grocery bill going to be? There's, there's a big difference in a grocery bill on Long Island and a grocery bill in Dallas, Texas. And I'll tell you which one's higher right now. Or a grocery bill in, 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 in Los Angeles versus a grocery bill in Tallahassee, Florida. There's a, there's a difference there. I mean, part of a visit, and I'm going to say you've got to visit multiple times before you make a decision that's this big. Just keep a grocery list of what you buy. Most preppers are good at that anyway. And, and, and look at your average spend and then go when you visit, just go to some local grocery stores and go, well how much is it? You know, if it's, if it's 40 or 50 bucks less. That's forty or fifty bucks, and if it's a week, if you're a weekly shopper, and I know many of us, even as preppers, we're still weekly or biweekly grocery shoppers because we store it up and then we go back into a normal lifestyle after, just like everybody else. We don't, we're not always in Costco with the two things completely full, right? But if it's forty bucks a week, right, one hundred sixty dollars a month, that's real money. That's that's so. That's a part of your cost of living. Uh, if you have children involved in after school activities, I, I was blown away when I found out, like in places like Connecticut and stuff, kids that were on sports teams for their high schools had to pay money for the activity. I, I'm not talking about some trips or some camps. I'm talking about like a fee to be on a sports team in, in a school in Connecticut where you're already paying through the nose with your property taxes. That doesn't happen here. They they don't, if you make the high school football team, you're on the football team. You're not paying to be there. You know, and if you have a lot of kids and a lot of activities, that adds up. And I'm sure there's a million things I'm missing because this is about your lifestyle versus, and your cost of living in it versus mine. But these are things to think of Um, quality of the schools. I I always have to ask people when they say, like, the guy that I met in in New Hampshire, well, I'm staying in Massachusetts because they have better schools. Better at what? Better at what? And does it matter? Better at indoctrination? Better at programming your kids? Or are they actually better? Because some of them are better. If you think that all schools are equal in this country, you, you, I mean, really, you just, I'm sorry, they're not. But better at what? And how does that affect your kids? And how much longer are your kids going to be in school? That's a much more important question for someone with some kids that are like, you know, just about to start kindergarten, than it is for someone who, you know, Johnny, I'm sorry, we're going to move, but you and they got two years left of high school. You know, and that's a tough time to move, and that's something else you got to consider too. If I was in that situation, I might stay put for two years until that that little chapter is closed, just because it is a tough thing to do. Move once you're in high school. Right? But if you're going in, that's different again. Because most people are making all kinds of new friends because the, the whole click process gets broken up in the move from middle to high school uh, for a lot of kids anyway. So these are all things that you have to look at. But when it comes to schools, before you say they're better, better at what? Better at their standardized test scores? Better at how many go on to college? You know, If your kid wants to fly helicopters for a living, do you give a shit? I wouldn't. If that was I had one kid and he wanted to fly helicopters, he damn well knew it. He's already saving money to go, you know he already knew what he was going to do, and he wanted to be a, 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 a you know a rotor a rotor pilot I don't care that he might get one point higher in his you know a c t score if he goes to you know Sheboyganville versus Sheboygan town. It doesn't matter to me, but if I got a kid that's really really heavily in in the academic side of things, that might be more important to me you know um I also think you need to ask yourself a question when you're considering something this big in your life. And this is, you know, as the guy that's marketing this, it's the last thing you'd probably expect me to say, but it's the truth, and I try to deal in that here, is the grass really greener or is it just better manicured? (sighs) They always say the grass is green, always greener, and when you get there, sometimes it's not. And that's, I mean, you have to really look at it. Once you evaluate everything, is it really going to improve your life? And if it's not, don't do it. I think if you do it right, most of us could find a better place than we are because most of us are where we are by happenstance. Here's an interesting exercise. Go back to one of your maybe earliest times you can really remember as a child, not like an individual event, but where you can really kind of remember what your life was like, where you were living, fifth grade, sixth grade, something like that. Start thinking of everything that guided you along the way with your choices in who you were friends with, who you hung out with, what activities you were involved with, if you went to school, what your choices were, if you didn't go to college, why you chose not to go, your first job, if you left home, why you went where you went, all the way up until right now, this very moment that you're listening to me, and you have job X and you live in town Y in state Z, And you have X number of kids, it could even be zero, you are slash aren't married, and everything that's led to the point that you are right now, and say to yourself, can I really say that I am where I am today as far as my geographic location by choice, or is it more the circumstances that guided me along, I just kind of rode the wave? And I think most people, we just ride the wave, we're like a leaf in the wind and where the wind blows, we go. I came here because I knew somebody. I came here because I had a job offer and it was the only one I could get. What I'm suggesting with walking the freedom is that you you just stop letting the wind blow for a while and make a conscious choice about what is best for you. And many times you'll figure out that maybe there is a better place. And some of you after you evaluate this this way are going to go, "You know what? I'm in Georgia." I don't love everything about Georgia, but I love a lot of things about Georgia. And I ain't leaving Georgia, but I'm leaving where I'm at. Yep, Atlanta, no, not going to do this anymore. And you can use these same considerations when you're making a move within your own state because, you know, shockingly enough, different counties, different cities, different towns have different property tax rates. Local areas even have different sales tax rates. I mean, we hated going out to eat in Hot Springs because they tax everything in the restaurants because it's all based on tourist money, and tourists don't even think about it. You end up paying like 11% tax on a plate of enchiladas in downtown Hot Springs. It's a ridiculous tax rate on things like that because it's tourist-centric. It was something we never even really thought of because we're not people that do a lot of going out to eat. But when you did go and you're like, how much taxes on this? I mean it's only a couple bucks more, but you're thinking, man, it just it just doesn't feel right. You know, so that that wouldn't have made a huge decision, but you know, it also says something about the quality of life for the people doing the work. The more you tax my meal, the less money I have in my buffer to give to my server as a tip. Right? So when you receive high taxes on food, they say, well we'll just tax the food the tourists, you know, whatever. You're eroding the wages of the surf staff. So those are things that you really have to look at even within your own state. The big thing is please visit the area multiple times first. Go, it, it, You know what? Get a hotel room or find somebody on the forum that will say they'll put you up. I've said to people already that are considering Texas, give, don't call me tomorrow and say I'm, I'm going to be there tonight. Get in touch with me. Let me know your requirements as long as you don't have like 15 kids or something like that. we'll give you our guest room for a couple days. Hell, I've got three vehicles. Here's the keys to one of them. Drive around. Go look. Go talk to some people. I'll introduce you to the people that I know. That's what we need so that people can come to a place and go, you know what? Screw this. This is nothing like I thought it would be. That person you don't want moving to your location. This isn't a contest who can get the most. This is about really helping your fellow citizens make a good decision. The person that comes here goes, This is better than I ever imagined that it possibly could be. That's the person you want moving in next door to you. Because that person is going to be an active, thriving member of your community. And you're not going to know if the place is right without at least going there a couple times and getting a feel for it. Because you may, you know, you can end up in a place that's very, very churchy, as I call it, you know. Everybody's knocking on your door, inviting you to church and what have you. I have no interest in going to anybody's church. But it doesn't bother me that you've asked. You know, it some people, really, they don't even they want that. Just let me alone, right? Let me. And as long as the person's not like here you know, every other day, like, when are you going to come? When are you going to come? I don't care. Some people really love that. That's what they're wanting. They, they're going to want to go to every single one of them and pick out the best one for them. You need to know what's the mentality there. Some places you go, you're the guy that doesn't go to church. Everybody invites you. You say thank you, but no thank you. Everybody's happy. Nobody cares. You're not considered an outsider. Some places like what's wrong with him, right? So you, these are things that are intangibles that sometimes can change with moving two or three blocks down the street. Right, or moving five miles to the west, or ten miles to the north in an area where there's, the, and and so you might actually figure out, hey, Georgia's really where I want to be, and, and you're right now in I don't know New Jersey because anything's better in New Jersey, and um, but then you go visit and you go, yeah, I want to be in Georgia, but not this part. I want to find something that works better for me. I, and then I want to find something that works better for me, but yet I'm still able to, pr- to practice my trade, to do my profession, to run my business, whatever it is. And you may eventually go. It's got so much going for it, but I just can't. Gee, it's. I look like Georgia. I think it's going to be South Carolina, though. It all depends. Do you want the coast? You don't want the coast. You don't care about the beach. Then you know maybe it's Alab- You know I don't know. Uh, Alabama has a coast too, but let's say maybe it's Northern Alabama where you're far from the coast that's better for you. Or maybe it's Tennessee. I don't know. Maybe it's Missouri. It all depends on how all of these things work out as you start actually doing it. Understand, you can go back if it doesn't work. Life actually is full of choices, and if you have the ability to move from New York to Texas, then you also have the ability to move from Texas back to New York. It'll be easier, especially if you're leaving behind friends and family, because they'll be waiting for you and happy that you came back. So do understand you can go back, but you've got to have an exit strategy. Um, one of the biggest mistakes that we make in this country today as individuals is we take major life-changing events with no exit strategy. Whenever I buy a house, the thing I'm thinking about is if I bought this house tomorrow and my personal world exploded, my personal shit blew up the fan right it didn't hit the fan it blew it up there's it's just a mess and i gotta get out of here i got i I gotta get out of this how would i extricate myself from it and if i don't have a good answer for that if i'm like i would be screwed there's no way i could extricate myself from this situation along with i'm also thinking what are the things i'm going to do to improve this place immediately that would make it more marketable but not the things I have planned for five years from now. Not even the things I have planned for two years from now. Things I have planned for the first six to nine months. If I get those done, what's my? So I I think that way. Why? Because you're buying something a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollar thing with your name is how you're buying it in most situations. Most of us don't whip out the billfold and go two hundred thousand. Hey, one thousand, two thousand. We 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 sign a mortgage and a commitment, and now we're attached to a payment. For, for 15 to 30 years. So with that in mind, I always think, how would I exit this position? And since that's a very important consideration in choosing a home when you make a move, so it makes a lot of sense for people in that first year when you've chosen a new place to maybe rent and take your time finding a place to buy. That that makes an awful lot of sense. Because it's much easier to, to, to break a lease than to get out from underneath the mortgage. And you have to think not just housing, but in all ways, if this doesn't work out, how would I come home? So it might be a good idea, if you're quitting a job, to leave on incredibly good terms. To do everything you can to make your employer realize how much you appreciated them. Because when you come back, okay, they might give you your job back. In fact, they might give you your job back without you asking. Why do I tell you that? Because it happened to me. It didn't just happen to me. It happened to my wife on the same move. We lived in Pennsylvania for about three years. I took a job for a company. Um, The company was immediately bought and merged. That's why I went from microtest to fluke networks. I was miserable for three years. I hated my job. And eventually, it ended up being over. And I just, I mean you can you never be, have so many mixed emotions. You've got a good paying job you no longer have, but you're not miserable, you know, and you're in that situation. And we had my son in the middle of school year. It was December. And I said, there's no way we're doing this in December. And we're not even sure what we're going to do yet. And I had some things going on with my own little business and all that was bringing in some money and some unemployment. So we decided we'll tough it out at least till summer. So if we move him, and this was exactly when he was going to go into high school, he would start a new school In the first year of a high school, as a freshman, with plenty of other kids that were in the same boat because they went from this middle school over to this high school and didn't know anybody either. Plus, he still would have some friends because we were going to move right back to the area that we came from. I started looking for a job about two months before the move was initiated. Um, I had got very close to an offer from a company in Plano, Texas. They did their due diligence and called all of my references, including the employer that I had before I moved, From Texas to Pennsylvania, he called me at 11:30 in the night and said, "You want your job back?" Uh, We got we got moved. My wife told the place she used to work that she was back. They said, "You want your job back?" Because we left on great terms and we did a great job to the people before we left. So even if you aren't real happy with the employer you have that you're leaving, don't play his head like a bongo. Your boss's head like a bongo on the way out the door. Okay. Yes, I got that from The Simpsons for Simpsons fans, but you get my point because it does. And I'll tell you what, when we came back to the Texas area from, from the Arkansas area, they're trying to get, they've talked to her a couple of times because she's got friends there she goes to see. And they're like, well, what would it take you to come in? No, <laughs> no, never mind. I don't want that part of my life anymore, but the, the opportunity is still there for because she was a great employee and she left on good terms. That's got to be part of your exit strategy. I'm not saying it's a guarantee that you would get your job back. But I'll tell you what, as an employer, especially a small employer, good people are hard to find. And when you have somebody that's really good, if there's any way you can get them back, you'll take them. So make that part of your exit strategy. Um, I also want to tell you this. There's an old saying that says, home is where the heart is. Uh I, I don't think that's true. I think home is where the heart is free. And I think that's part is... A part of what we have to be looking at here is not just, you know, well, I'm really attached to this place, but how free are you to be who you are? And it really is true that in many instances, as difficult as a move can seem, it is easier to rent a truck and make some new friends and find a new job than to live in a place where you can't be who you are. And, and more and more, there are states that are actually getting to the point of interference with people where they no longer feel they have the freedom to be who and what they are. And, and, and to me, that has to go uh, out the window uh, for me i can 't live where i feel i can 't live where I feel oppressed if I know there 's a place I could be less oppressed if, if if you know is Texas perfect? Hell no are there things I would change absolutely are there freedoms I would add? Yes, you know we had an interesting discussion with a, a, a person I think really much was, was a troll, uh, but it was an interesting troll discussion on the on the blog. And they said that, you know, that to, to, to them that personal freedom was more important than economic freedom. Oh, what an idiot. I'm sorry, you're an idiot if you think that way. And I'll tell you why. Even if, if it sounds good on the surface, how can you have personal liberty if you don't have economic liberty? Isn't your money the very means by which you procure the things that are important to you in your personal life? If I'm oppressing you economically, You have less money, and therefore you have less ability to exercise your personal liberties. There's no such thing as personal liberty without economic liberty. Not to me. But only you know what's right for you. That's the big thing. I can't tell you. I have people saying, Jack, here's my situation. Should I move? I don't know. I I really don't. I want to encourage you to consider it deeply if you're a religious person to pray on it, if you're a spiritual person to meditate on it, if you're a logical person, put it in a spreadsheet. Whatever it is that you do to make a decision that's this big for yourself, go through that process, and I trust that you as an individual are smart enough and talented enough to make the best decision for yourself. That's called liberty. And I believe that the one thing that will make it... The best for you is if you can find some level of a community where you're going before you get there. If you hit the ground with just a few good friends, people that you know you can hang out with, talk to, trust, people that have kids of similar ages and your kids get along, uh, a church that you know you're going to fit well into, or a gun club that you're going to fit well, whatever it is for you, right? I'm not a church-going guy, but I get how important it is to some of you guys. I think that that you better consider that. Right, Just because I don't share your belief doesn't mean I don't respect it. Of course I respect it. And if that's what's important to you, then then that's, that's a big deal. If you're an older person, maybe you want to be in a community where there's more people of your own age. Or maybe you actually are like the old fart that loves to hang around with young people and you get along with them so well they like to hang out with you. you only you know the answer to these questions. But a community that fits you will make it so much easier. I mean, one of the reasons that we kick around the idea of putting together some sort of a, a prepper community isn't so when the world ends, we can all, you know, line up and, and, and get in a foxhole and defend it. That's that's not what we're at. It's the mentality that comes with self-sufficiency, self-reliance, independence, and liberty, preparedness, libertarian values. Just to be surrounded with people like that, that would be great. I, I mean, if if I hit, hit the lottery big right now, I might buy freaking... 100 acres out the back. Just go and start making people offers. How much does it take to get you out of here? There's a lot of run-down places just behind me. And just, and then say, here, let's start selling one acre lots to people like us out this way. You know, in an unincorporated county. What a great place to do whatever you want. That's, you know, but it's, that's a fantasy. But we have good people around here that have, you know, step right up and say, "Hey, if you guys have to leave for a while, we'll keep an eye on your place." Man, that goes a long way. The fact that I'm sitting outside talking to my chickens yesterday—yes, I talked to the, the chickens—and I, I hear the guy again across the street cracking off his AR-10. You know, that bad to me, that's a big deal. That type of person, who I even if I don't hang out with them, I want that person in my neighborhood. I want that kind of a community. I want that live and let live, but yet we're here for each other when we need to. That's, that's important to me. Maybe that's not what's important to you. Maybe you need much more of a social circle. So whatever it is that does it for you, that's the way that, you know, you really kind of make everything work. And that's it. I mean, that's the things that would be important to me. And, and again, I want to point out that I think that it's safe to say that this Exodus, in spite of Mr. Mysterion, um, who I guess is a South Park fan um, is is already happening. You know, there's a quality of life issue. Yeah, well, price u U-Haul from LA to Dallas and Dallas to LA, and you can. I mean, the statistics are in. This is not something I did. This is not something I created. Here, I consider myself two things, right? There's two roles for me in this, an enabler. And an agitator. I want to enable the citizens of New York who've had it up to frickin' here with Governor Cuomo and his firearms regulation and, and Mayor Bloomberg and his bullshit. And they're just done. And they're done paying the taxes. They're done overpaying for the real estate. They're done with the whole damn thing. And they're like, I am leaving. I want to help them. I want when they say I'm thinking about Tennessee, I want them to have five, six, seven contacts throughout the state that say I'll tell you about it and I'll show you around. Enable and I want to agitate. I want to make sure when that person leaves, they don't just pack up and leave. They make a YouTube video. They write a letter to the local. I want them to go on record and say, not only am I leaving, not am I only am I going here, this is why I'm leaving. You, I want them to just say what's really on their mind, what's really on their heart. I want them to tell the truth, and I want to give them a platform to tell the truth, and I want thousands of human interest stories, and I want to agitate the states that are you're losing these people because I didn't do it to you, you did it to your damn self. That's my role here. It's already happening. This is how a republic works. But it's time to shine a light on it and it's time to help. And what I'm asking for these citizens within this community to do that are happy where you're at is help me with the enabling. I'll agitate, I'm good at agitating, I'll agitate the shit out of this for you. You just help your fellow citizens who've had enough find the right place for them. And I'll handle the other side of things. And we'll do it together. And we might make a difference. Because let me tell you, the people that founded this republic knew what they were doing. When they set up a Republican form of government, it has nothing to do with the GOP today. When I say Republicans, don't link them because I sure as hell ain't. They knew what they were doing. They put as many checks and balances into the system as they could, including some they don't teach you about in school anymore because they don't think your brain is capable of utilizing or understanding. And frankly, the people in charge and the bureaucrats in charge that set the curriculum for the schools and set the curriculum for the teachers. And by the way, program the teachers during their own indoctrination. Don't want you to know. They teach you about the systems and checks and balances, the three branches of government, executive, legislative, and judicial, and how they all work. They leave out the most important ones. You as a voter are a check on the system. If they do enough stupid shit, they pissed enough of you off, you change the clowns. Of course, the system, the machine, has taken the clowns and turned the whole thing into a clown house, and even if you change all the clowns out, the house still runs the same way. So they've limited your ability to effectively change things by voting. But when a Republican government, at least it still works at the state and the local levels. So you could still have an impact there. That's a check. Another check they gave you was the jury. The jury is the ultimate check on power because if the government passes a law and completely ignores the will of the people, a jury can nullify a law by simply saying, not guilty, but we said that, yeah, but not guilty. It's a big part of what made Prohibition go away. Without jury nullification, we'd probably still have Prohibition in America today on alcohol. I'm telling you, right now, that's what killed it. You can't get a conviction if you can't get a jury to vote guilty, and it became very, very difficult to find enough people where a jury and its majority would vote guilty for someone for drinking a beer. You really want to get rid of marijuana laws? Start nullifying it with a jury. So that was another check that they don't tell you about. In fact, you're specifically lied to when you go on a jury about jury nullification. They'll tell you if you ask about it, they'll tell you it doesn't exist. And guess what? You ain't get on that jury. And if you're already on the jury and you ask about it, they'll tell you to shut up and they'll threaten you. And they'll tell you it's not your choice whether, but it's a lie. As a member of a jury, you can vote any way you want, including not guilty. And you don't have to explain it, but if it's not guilty because I don't believe this law should exist, so be it. It's a check on power. The ultimate check, though, was the republic. That if one state did something oppressive enough or stupid enough, New Jersey, uh, if one state did that long enough, the people in that state with freedom of movement would vote with their feet. It is the ultimate check on power. It is the ultimate check on power in a republic that I can go from Florida to Texas or Texas to Florida. And I don't need a passport. I don't need paperwork. I don't need to file anything. All I got to do is put my shit in a truck and head whichever direction I want to go. And I have that freedom of movement and that freedom of choice and friends. It's the ultimate revolution without firing a shot. It's happening right now. The mainstream media even... Do you think that MSNBC wants to run a story about how employment is better in Texas? How about how people are leaving their liberal bastion of California and heading to Texas? About how there's a net population loss? of productive citizens in California and a gain in Texas, about how Texas is actually going to end up with more representatives due to the population swing in California. Do you think they want to run a story like that? you think, gee, this is what we've been waiting for. This makes our stuff look great. No, they don't want to. When they start telling the truth about something like that, it means it's already so big that it can't be ignored. That's what it means. When it goes from the alternative blogger to MSNBC and it makes a case for small government... Less interference, more freedom, lower taxes, and MSNBC's running it, that means it's already twice as big as they're telling you, because they don't want to tell you that. They don't want to have that. They don't want that. It's happening. Let's enable, and let's agitate. That's my goal for this, to just simply shine a light on something that people already intrinsically know, and to make more people go, you know what? I really didn't think about it that way maybe this is right for me maybe it's right for you maybe you can help somebody else do it but with that this has been jack Spirico with another edition of the survival podcast helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't it's in our food these days you know it's on our tvs sometimes we forget we are what we